Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. We're bringing you one of our best conversations for a rebroadcast. I first spoke with Precious Simonette earlier this spring, back in May. Precious learned a hard lesson early on as a high school teacher. She couldn't reach her students if they were quietly struggling with problems at home. Didn't matter how prepared she was. Precious was going to have to do a different kind of teaching. She was going to have to teach them their worth. She was going to have to teach them to write. Precious became a creative writing teacher at Miami Norland High. She brought in the principles of the Freedom Writers, a movement started in California in the 1990s to teach students to write through their troubles. So she started the Viking Freedom Writers, named for the high school's mascot. Before class, she asked her students to make this pledge. I am not everyone, but I am someone. She's taught more than 3,000 students these principles. Some have gone on to become professional writers. Precious has been named the Miami-Dade County Teacher of the Year, and the county commissioned named April 18, 2023, Viking Freedom Writers Day. To talk to us about how she teaches students to find themselves in their writing is Precious Simonette. Welcome, Precious. Hi, hello, how are you? I'm great, thank you so much. I know we've been trying to set this up for a while now, and, and I'm so excited to be able to talk with you um, about your work in the community in such an important and specific way. Um, there's this thing that you said during a tech talk that you gave, a TEDx talk, uh, which was, um, uh, before I could ever touch a student's mind, I had to find ways to touch their heart. Tell me about learning this lesson early on that was so critical to you kind of going down this way in your career. Absolutely. So um, I actually started my work with the Freedom Riders when I was teaching middle school. And um, I think I came in uh, like bright eyed and bushy tailed. Like I was like, I got my dream job. I'm going to do amazing things. And at that time, I was the type of educator I was focusing on data only data, right? So like if my kids had a high GPA, if they were coming to school like every single day, if they were getting like high scores on their assessments, that was like some way telling me I was like the bomb teacher, right? Like I was just like cool beans with awesome sauce on top. But the idea that like uh, uh, success, you were measuring success by numbers. Absolutely. I got you. Um, and I had to learn this hard lesson. Right. Um, and that was quantitative data. And that data is important. However, it's important for a teacher to learn about qualitative data. So what are those things that are happening that is that could possibly impact that quantitative data? And part of that is what's going on with these kids in their lives. That's not inside that classroom. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So asking my students, um, okay, I want you to take out a sheet of paper and I want you to tell me something about you that I don't know. And me being so cocky thought like, they're not gonna write anything that I don't know about because I know all of them, I'm the perfect teacher. Um, lo and behold, the students did just that. They were extremely honest with me. Um, and one student wrote, every day I go home, I cut myself. Wow. And um, when I pulled her to the side, I, I don't know why, but I think that I was just telling her like, this is not a joke. Like I'm being honest. She said, you told me to do it. And I was like, no, I told you to write something about yourself that I don't know about. And she said, I just did that 
I did what you asked me to do. She told you something very true and very personal Absolutely. to her that she was personally dealing with. Absolutely. And um, this is the first time that I've ever had to deal with something like that. Um, and that literally broke me in half. It broke me into a million pieces because she didn't have to tell me that I wasn't the bomb.com. She was showing me that I wasn't. And so I went through a lot of changes. Um, I had to, you know, report the student to the authorities, um, which was a really difficult process for me because I didn't want to do anything to hurt her. But I think what was really important was that I stayed with her through that process, keeping in contact, making her know, like reminding her I cared about you. Like I had to report it because I am, in fact, an educator. But she understood it. Right. right? She was like, yeah, I trusted you. Mm -hmm. That's why I told you. And I was like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, I trusted you to do that. You the got right her thing. the help that she needed. Absolutely. And um, it was at that point that I was like, okay, you know, um, this is not the teacher that I wanted to be. At that time, I realized I was being the teacher that everybody told me I had to be, right? And you have these mentors, and I had great mentors, but I think I was so focused on being like them that I had forgot about who was Precious. Like, what type of teacher Precious wanted to be? And Precious is like a goofy emotional sensitive person who absolutely loves teaching like I have my dream job at the age of seven I have been blessed with knowing my purpose and my purpose is to be a teacher you wanted to do that ever since I you were seven. always wanted to be there was nothing else there wasn't a B or a C there was only a I was going to be an educator and, and none, none of that early narrative or that that naive young teacher was you're gonna have to deal with students who are three-dimensional. Absolutely. They're, they're not little learning machines. Absolutely. They're little people. Absolutely. With the same problems that you might have with Absolutely. boys or girls <laughs> or, you know, like Absolutely. life outside. And it's middle school. Middle school, they have a lot of uh, emotions happening and they don't understand them and they need, you know, freedom of expression. They need ways to, they need a creative outlet. And um, that lesson, that experience with that student definitely not only changed who I was as a teacher, but it changed the trajectory of my classroom. And everything happens for a reason. And so, so you really, that experience, it made you re look at what, what it meant to be a, a teacher and what it meant to be able to work for these particular kids in your class. I think it's just students in general. I mm -hmm. think that all students are dealing with different things on a daily basis. And I am so happy, blessed that I get to teach creative writing because I get to learn about their fears. I get to learn about their successes. I get to learn about like their plans and be a resource for them, right? So did this, this, did this steer you into the idea of creative writing, like getting these things out of kids? So the crazy thing about it is I was actually hired to teach writing. Hmm. And one day um, we had uh, like two teachers out of the building and my uh, assistant principal, this is in middle school, she placed me to sub, like work with um, another class. And she's like, oh my gosh, like you're so good with them. Like they're not misbehaving. They're doing awesome. I'm like, well, it's not that, you know, difficult, you know, kind of sort of meet them where they are get to learn about them mm -hmm. and I think it was like the lessons that I was doing with them that they really liked and um I was required to stay in a reading class for like years and I was like I wanted to teach creative writing like that's why I was hired to be a writing teacher right and mm -hmm. there's so much that you've been able to tap into them with that idea mm -hmm. tell me about bringing in this idea of the freedom writers yes. first of all like give us some background yes. what is the freedom writers mm -hmm. and then why was that important for mm -hmm. you to, to bring into the conversation so after the situation that happened with my student the one who was really brave enough to tell me what she was experiencing um, as I me mentioned before I was going through this process of learning about myself and I did a lot of research and I stumbled across a book the Freedom Writers Diary um, never heard of it 
never seen it and I picked it up and I was in the in the in the bookstore and I kind of read like the first couple pages I'm like wait what I flipped to the table of contents and a lot of the topics that the students had mentioned to me and their free write it was in this book and I'm like okay this is crazy I purchased the book I read that book in about a weekend and the, the idea of the book is that there was a teacher in California Erin yep. Gruel who then who asked her students to journal right, right. basically it started writing, writing yep. right and that mm -hmm. came because uh, she had a personal experience with a student where uh, like there was some uh, there was discrimination, some discrimination happening in the class and everything like that um, so after reading that book I was like okay this this is definitely like who I am like th like what's happening um, so I go back to my class and I kind of sort of rearrange a lot of different things I give my students composition books but I am a writer right so like I love writing poetry I love writing short stories I love doing those things so I gave my students opportunity to free write but I wanted them to write other stories and it came from there so it started off with a lot of journaling but when I introduced my students to poetry spoken word something clicked they're like what's that I want to I want to learn more about that and I'm like really and they, these are these are like middle school students right and so they had only been introduced to poetry like in a page not seeing it perform not you know sharing it with you know like a, a like a group of people and so that prompted me to share one of my uh poems that I had written like when I was like in college I performed it for them and they loved it and they was like okay we want to do more than that so I started incorporating more of those things inside the classroom getting the writing to jump off the page off, off the page absolutely but I think what was really great was the fact that the writing was about them they were people started to see them they were being seen they were being able to tell their stories to make sense out of the world that they were living right did it surprise you then when you start seeing some of these things where they start freedom writing, where they yes. start writing about the things in their lives? Tell yes. me about some of the things that you saw, obviously without naming names, but mm -hmm. the things that you saw that then made you give you that deeper understanding mm -hmm. of what was happening here. So at the time I was at a middle school and that middle school was pretty much surrounded by projects. And they taught, um, I learned that many of the students were associated with the projects in like gang related activity. Um, I did a lot of questioning of that. Many students told me like how uh, they feel for their lives because they were living in neighborhoods that were permeated by violence. Many students uh, said that they feared for their life, that they wouldn't live to, you know, to graduate. Um, many students felt like they were worth like worthless, like they weren't worth anything. And I'm just like, what like what is happening? And I don't think it was necessarily their families telling them this. I think it was like society. I think it was the world telling them that. Wow. And it had just seeped in. And that's what they were kind of sort of spitting out. And I was like, you know what? This is great because now we need to write all of that crap out so we can see all of the beauty that's like deep down in there because you guys have this. And they literally had all the tools that they needed. I was just really blessed that I had the opportunity to tap into that and to help them to remind themselves that I am amazing. I am dope. I'm awesome. I can do so much thing, you know, so much things um, with my life. Um, but it was really difficult. It was a really hard process because not many students were ready to go there, if you know what I mean, right? Uh, many of them wanted to deflect. Many of them weren't ready to reflect. Um, many of them were project, were, were you know, like projecting certain things. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I can be patient. Like I'm built for this. And um, eventually they came around, right? But I think they needed to write themselves into existence. Our guest today is Precious Simonette. 
She's the head of the Viking Freedom Writers, a teacher at Miami Norland High School, where she teaches kids to write through their issues and to reveal the artist within them. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the artist in you. Um, when did you when did you discover uh, this need to write or that this ability to write unlock something in you? Mm-hmm. Barely, really, really early on in my life. Um, I actually journal every single day, and I think it started like as a kid. Um, I'm quite, you know, contrary to what people believe, I haven't always been able uh, to speak in front of people. Like, I've been quite reserved. Um, you wouldn't tell, because from you, you, <laughs> you recently gave a TED Talk. Uh, I did. TED, TEDx Talk, and you were you you couldn't guess it, because you were, it was the full performance, but you weren't always... Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Um, growing up, um, I, I was very shy. Um, like I said, I was very emotional and very sensitive, and so I wrote a lot of my thoughts down. Um, whenever I needed to speak to my mom about something that was very complicated or complicated, I would literally just write my mom a letter or write her a poem and just leave it and let her find it. Um, But it was my grandmother that tapped into that. And she was like, you have a beautiful story to tell and I need you to start talking. And so I would have conversations about like how I view things. But it wasn't until I met my amazing mentor, uh, Felicia Brunson. She was actually one of, she was a, um, she's in the community, does a lot of community work. And I was a part of her program called Precision Girls. And, what is, what um, is that program? Tell me Precision about that. Girls is like a group. It's like a mentoring group. So you have uh, women who are just like running things, right? Like whether it be in education, government, business. And they literally mentored us about like um, how we would conduct ourselves if we were like going out to like restaurants, um, how to like look for colleges and why we should be choosing colleges that are um, for us, right? How to write personal statements. We did so much community involvement and I think that's when I I fell in love with community involvement, civic engagement, very, very young. It's like an empowerment thing. It really was and I was around all of these young girls who built each other up, right? We, Right. we, We understood that life is big enough for everybody to shine there's no need to, to compete we can all collaborate and we can all just be really great like doing like dope things and Felicia Brunson was like so your mom told me that you could write and I was like "Ooh, did she and I she was like she well at our ceremony you're going to be performing a poem I was like I am not she said you are how I said I'm not how oldish were you more or less I was 13 14 years oh, old oh my goodness and I was like no I'm not she said you are I said I'm not well let's <laughs> let's love on mom a little bit because yes. she clearly had some foresight. absolutely so where did that idea come to write your mom letters about how you were feeling because it was just like I think I was just embarrassed right I think that you know being young I was like no one wants to listen to like a young kid nobody cares about like my ideas and my opinions mm. but when I wrote my mom a letter or when when I wrote her a poem I saw emotion my mom is a very strong woman right um she what raised do you mean? Give me she's example. very strong like my mom is very independent um, she raised me, um, made made certain choices in her life that led her to be a single mom, and she worked two full time jobs to make sure I had things that she didn't. What kind of jobs did your mom do? Uh, my mom was in management, um, and uh, it was just these things that I would see her doing that just made sure that I was taken care of. Like what? And so there's little things that stand out. Yeah. So like my mom, she was in management. She was a manager, Mm -hmm. um, but she also had a um, part time job at a bakery. And I would see my mom work like long shifts and come home and still make time for me. That is why I, I really respect 
hard work. My mom was a was an ultimate hustler. Like she was grinding to make sure I experienced things that she didn't. My mom was not able to graduate high school. My grandmother wasn't able to graduate high school. The crazy thing about it is I was supposed to be named after my mom, but my grandmother said, no, you have a different story. You have a different path. And my grandmother is the one who named me. She named you Precious. She named me Precious. That's beautiful. What is your mom's name? <laughs> my mom's name is Velma. That's also a right? nice name. It, it really is. And I was like, I, it would have been fine for me to be a third. Because um, your grandma's Velma. Yeah. Oh, so you, you would have been, been Velma the third. The third. Absolutely. Um, but my grandmother and my mom, they made sure that I, that education was like my number one priority. They were a team. They were a team. They were tag teaming me a lot. Um, but it definitely paid off because I was able to graduate, um, I think my, before my grandmother passed away, um, she made me promise her that I would graduate, right? Uh -huh. And in my grandmother's mind, I think she meant just college, like four years undergrad. But when I got that first degree, it wasn't enough. I was like, that's that's not what my grandmother would want for me. So I went and got a master's, then I went and got a specialist, then wow. I ultimately had to go get the doctoral degree. And it was, it, it was, it was, I think it was just God. It was the universe telling me, yeah, this is what your grandmother would have wanted for you. Amazing. And just to see my mother's response to that, like, okay, yeah, I'm a dream keeper. I'm a dream keeper. <laughs> and so you become then this person who you know, writing was introduced in your life mm -hmm. as a way to express yourself. Absolutely. And then you bring it, you bring that skill to these kids. I'm wondering Absolutely. if there was like a realization in you about what was happening. Absolutely. Yeah. I think every time, and, and it's like, it's really amazing because the students, when my students write certain things, I see bits and pieces of myself in them. And I absolutely love seeing the journey. I love seeing the metamorphosis that happens. There is something so beautiful about witnessing a student that is so, so quiet in your classroom. It's like they're experiencing silent screams. But when you give them a pen or a pencil and you tell them, write your heart's desire unapologetically, no judgments, magic happens. Mm. And they produce some of the most authentic writing that literally moves people into action. And it is, I'm, I'm just really blessed to be a part of that. And I get to do that every single day. Now, is it challenging? Absolutely. Because many students who join my class, uh, they sign up, they detest writing. They don't like writing because of their experience with writing, mm -hmm. right? Someone has used it for punishment, it's punitive. Uh, it, it, they, they, they suck the fun out of it. Oh God, yeah, I, that's the, the number one thing is write, write up a hundred times, right. I will not but, And uh, that's the, that's, that is horrible, it yeah. is horrible. So for the first, maybe first or second semester, I am teaching my students to unlearn those things. Writing can be beautiful, it could be therapeutic, it could be a freedom of expression. And I take pride in having that opportunity to do that. And you, I instantly know, when I ask my students to give me, let's just say, a 500 words, and if they're giving me a thousand, we have, we have made the mark. Wow. And many of my students come in that way. And I just love seeing that. Even poetry, many of them are afraid of poetry, right? Because society has told them that they don't understand it. Right. They uh, fear it. It has to be, uh, say it's haiku. It has yes, to be 575. Yes. And I was like, or, no, 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 no. Right. So I go through this whole uh, unit of showing them different types of poetry. Now, let's write your poetry that's mm -hmm. inside you. What is your story? Right. And I think this freedom of expression, this not being judged, this giving this opportunity to make sense out of what's happening to me on a daily basis or what could happen to me or what already happened to me. Something happens there. And I just love it. Um, we have a lot of conversations, too. Research says that the more kids have conversations, their writing improves. 
So I have a lot of class discussions, Socratic seminars in my class because it's not only about the writing, it's about the listening. Tell right. me about the Socratic seminars. So Socratic seminars are where students are like in this huge circle and we have like this topic and the kids are talking about like their opinions and their experiences about it. And it's not about being right or wrong. It's about making sense about what we're talking about. We could even leave that conversation disagreeing on something, but there's going to be respect there. There's going to be love and kindness. We need to understand that we could coexist even though we may have difference of opinions about something. What matters is that I I listened to you with empathy. Oh, I understood it. I, I don't think that's a lesson that could apply to society today at all, right? <laughs> if only Why two not? if only two opposing sides, let's call them I don't know, <laughs> elephants and donkeys could listen <laughs> right. to each other. Right. But these uh, are skills that you know, twenty first century skills that yeah. students need to learn. And I, I think it also plays into conflict uh, resolution, right? Mm. Um People, why are they fighting so much? Why are students fighting so much? Because those skills of conflict resolution, having these opportunities where students could have these peer counseling moments where they're able to talk to each other, right? But there's also this issue of vulnerability, right? Kids don't like to be vulnerable. Oh, you're right. You, you've spoken about right. this before. About kids don't like to be vulnerable, yeah. right? But me, I teach my kids all the time, vulnerability is a strength. I have my emotional intelligence. I understand why I feel this way. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing good because I was brave enough to go through that. Many students, they just want to cross over it, not because they can't do it. It's because they are afraid. Can you talk to me about sometimes, because I mean, with having taught more than 3,000 students this method <laughs> over the years, I mean, a, a school's full of children. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about some of those moments of not, I don't know if success is the right word, but moments of change? Change. where you've seen a, a student come in one way and write their way into something else. Absolutely. I am, who can I, I am going to talk about one of my students I have, and there's plenty of them, trust me, but one student sticks out. He is a, he would actually like this shout out. I'm going to go ahead and shout out Reginald Lewis, right? Uh, he was a football player and he was in one of my advanced academics courses. And he came in and like, I have a picture of Reggie like in class, like stressing over my assignments. <laughs> he did not like to write at all. But I saw so many different changes in Reggie and I know it was out of fear I think at certain times he felt as if he couldn't do it, right? And I don't think it's because people at home told him that he couldn't. I think it was society. Somewhere in society, he got that narrative. But I saw so many great things happen with Reggie. Reggie became actually one of my assistants in class. Wow. Reggie would like get up out of his seat. Okay, yeah, Dr. Sim, we're gonna do this. I said, that is like amazing, great idea, right? But he also got on stage and took it to the mic. And I'm sitting here like, what's happening? He did not see this, but I literally had to remove myself from the room because I became so emotional. Because this is Reggie, right? And many kids, they're like born for the stage. Like they got this, it's okay. But those quiet students, those kids who are, you could tell that they're very hesitant, that I'm not good enough, right? But for but but to witness a student, to literally just, just like take it like, you know what, I'm gonna go for this and then do amazing. That's really great to see. And there have been several students who have done that this year. I have another student, um, Amiri, a very beautiful student. Um, she's an athlete and you know, she hurt herself. And because she hurt herself, she wasn't able to be as active in athletics as she would normally want it to. Right. So she wrote about it. 
Yeah, because and that for an empowered athlete, her. Yeah, because someone who's been an athlete, so that's yeah, such a part hard. of your, it becomes such a part mm-hmm. of your person it's that you hard. take that away and that creates such a pain. So Absolutely. she wrote her way out she of that. She wrote about it. She wrote poems about it. She uh, created a capstone. She wrote her essays about it. And it was so great to see that. And I could see all of that power coming back to her. I may not be able to physically do this, but I could write. I could write about this and I could help the next athlete, which is what she ended up doing. Um, I'm thinking thinking about the young woman who you who you talked about in your in your speech. Where is she today? She is now a nurse living her best life, married with two kids. Wow. Yep. And that makes me emotional. (laughs) And um, she always tells me, uh, Dr. Sim, like you're my favorite teacher. You changed my life. You make me better. And I'm like, no, babe, it's all you. If you were not brave and courageous enough to tell me the truth and loving kindness, right? Um, I, I can't even imagine like where I would have been. And I think, you know, teachers, we have to create this space for students to feel welcome and loved. Stop right there, because I'm curious how you create that space. <laughs> because that's one thing to say, we create this space, but then you come with kids from backgrounds who feel like mm-hmm. like that, pr- protecting themselves and not being vulnerable is the mm-hmm. way that they protect themselves. How do you that create that? Tell me about some of the physical ways that you try yeah. to create that space. So first and foremost, I always meet my students where they are. I get to learn like who they are as individuals. And I do a lot of surveys and a lot of writing. And I read these things and I sit back and I watch my students. But I ask them a lot of questions. I flip my classroom, they become the teachers and I become the student Hmm. because this space is their space. My classroom, it's not my classroom, it's our classroom, right? right? I let them bring in all parts of themselves. I don't judge my kids because that's not my place to judge them, right? How do you keep them from judging each other? Because kids can be cool. Because you have to lead by example. You have to lead by example. It has to be a culture and a climate that you are consciously creating in the classroom and I and I'm also blessed right I get the opportunity to loop with my students so if my students want me like all four years they totally could have me every single year if they oh, want really? to. Oh really is that a, is yes. that a specific feature it's, at, at so, Miami New Orleans? Well I think it could happen at all schools but I'm really uh, blessed to be able to teach creative writing which is one two three advanced and then they can get dual enrollment credit for it oh. I teach advanced academics AP and um, Cambridge and I also also teach uh, um, the creative writing classes so students could have me in any of those writing classes and depending on what grade they in they could sign up for my classes right um, so creating that culture but also I allow students to tell me things about them that I could use in the classroom I have evaluations in my class all the time and my students which I absolutely love my students are okay with saying, Dr. Sim, I did not like that lesson and this is why. And I am going to listen to it, I am going to revamp it, and I am going to change. Because at the end of the day, if I am standing in front of a bunch of students and they are not receiving the information that I'm trying to give them to help them to become better individuals, better citizens, better writers, then what am I doing up there, right? right? They run the classroom, not me. This this thing that you're doing is it's got it's got tangible benefits like i mm-hmm. think you you mentioned at some point that like you have like a 95% uh um get, with assessment the, so i teach cambridge courses and that that particular course is associated with it's tied to a test mm-hmm. right and so um kind of like an ap test you yes. you teach the course and the, the mm-hmm. you how you score on this test tells you how well Absolutely, you learn the subject right and and you know 
honestly, I don't talk to the, my students a lot about the test. I just teach. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I teach them. I listen. Um, having a lot of opportunities for them to be okay with making mistakes because it's fear of failure. Right. But in class, this is where you can fail like as many times as you want, as long as you like learn the, yes, the lesson in the end of the day. And so I think having that space where they know that they can trust me, um, where they are okay with making mistakes and then learning from them, that plays a lot. But I'm also a really big goofball with my kids. I have a lot of fun with my students. I think that learning should be challenging. It should be tough, but we, we, we want to make some, some memories. We want to have like some experiences. So making sure they have experiential learning opportunities with writing it will help stick not only to the head but to the heart right um i have several students um that talk about like we, we just had a poetry festival at the school and um this is every year i would do like different poetry activities in the school and in my class but this was the first year i wanted to do like a full-out poetry festival so you're taking it to another level in other yes words, all I this am. thing that you're writing that you may be performing in class yes. now we're going to take that absolutely make that a little bigger the viking freedom writers we normally perform at a lot of community and school events um and we've had the pleasure of being able to perform in different states and everything like that which has been like amazing right um but i see the healing power that writing can bring to more students and now I want it I want it see I want it I want to see it happening more and I think if kids are busy writing they aren't busy doing things that are not so unproductive our guest today is Precious Simonette she's a teacher at Miami Northern High where she teaches creative writing and she's the head of the Viking Freedom Writers uh, where she teaches kids to kind of write through their their issues and their pain and turn that basically turn that into art um, for someone who who these principles are so important, I, I remember doing a little research on this, and I came across that the, the book on which this program is based, uh, the, the Freedom Writer's Diary, uh, has been banned in a couple places. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like like all great books, I guess, right. um, including in Martin County, Florida. So I guess in general, for someone who for whom writing and reading is so central to what you do, when you hear about something like that, what does that, what does that do for you? Well... I think it, bre it breaks my heart um, because I would be curious why the book is being banned, right? Um, for anyone to sit down and read the Freedom Writer's Diary and then ban it, I would have to question a lot of different things. Mm. Uh, the book is literally about students talking about their experiences with life, how they feel about it, their voice and their opinions, and things that they must do to improve the quality of their lives. The book is, it brings hope right um, as a teacher you never want to take the hope away from kids because that is very very dangerous right and I never want my students not to feel like there is no hope right I have no hope in writing my story I have no hope in being seen or being respected I think that is a sad sad day um, so um, I, I that's how I would respond to that yeah I, I'm curious then you know you you've spent so much time working with different kids from different backgrounds Absolutely. learning to to put their thoughts and emotions in them and and one of them your your kids also contributed to a book um that was published by oh miami called more than what happened and Absolutely. it's like the the aftermath of gun violence i think Absolutely. Is the, so tell me about some of the some of that work because you mentioned that there was some violence yes. in some of the middle school Absolutely. where you taught Tell me about some of the work that you saw and the things so, produced from there. Um, I was really, really happy to be asked to be a part of that project because that project, 
it hit home for a lot of my students and many of them jumped at the opportunity to participate. And I think it's because they realized that they were so sick and tired of people telling the story about gun violence when they themselves haven't experienced it. And I asked the question, where are the student voices, right? Mm. And they were sitting in my classroom. Wow. And I think that's important. Also, just because students may come from a particular neighborhood, they are not one story. They are more than one story. And I think it's very important for students to be able to tell their story so that different perspectives could be out in the world. Um, many of them, they were excited to participate because they wanted to contribute um, to the story as a whole. But it was really difficult for a lot of students. And to be honest with you, I kind of sort of hesitated a little bit because I never want to be a type of teacher to re-traumatize my students. So I had to speak to parents I asked parents, okay, so this is what the book is going to be about. How do you feel about it? Is it okay? Is it not okay? And the parents were extremely supportive. And that's, that's another thing I want to call out my parents. I've had some amazing students, but the parents are amazing because they understand that we are in this together. It is a partnership. It Have takes a village to raise a child. And I cannot commend my parents as much. But that was a really tough project and I was so unbelievably proud of my students with how they handled it there were times when we would come in we were doing like sections of the assignment and we needed to take a pause because it had become emotional yeah. and I had to call in my counselors to come in and kind of sort of help students to cope day to day and many times I asked them I was like do you want to stop should we pause here and they was like no and once again the character that's being developed there with students are like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go through many of them wanted to contribute because they wanted to pay homage to people who had they, they had lost from gun violence mm. and I hate to say it like but that project was beautiful but it wasn't beautiful if that makes any sense yep. it's beautiful because they're going through the process and they're talking about things that they've experienced and they want to be in the position where they could change things but it was so sad that they had to go through those things and I myself understand that more than you know I've lost so many students to gun violence so many and you personally have lost students to personally gun violence. have lost students to gun violence. We and ask teachers, we ask so much of teachers I, man, to be counselors and then to respond and to live with mm -hmm. to these kinds of things. Absolutely. I, I don't know. How do you come to school the next day after something like that? I pray and I remember what my purpose is and I walk by faith and not by sight. And I have my students there who are always a reason for me to come. And um, I think it's very difficult to, to do that, but I continue to do it because I know that that is my purpose. And I, people advocate in different ways for things. My way of advocating is writing. And to teach my students that they could do that too, I think it's really great, right? Um, and having them learn how to speak up for themselves, building agency into students, it takes a lot of time, but it is their right, right? To be civically engaged, to be civically, you know, participating in their, in their, not only their school, but in their respective communities as well. One way they could do that is by writing and by telling their stories and showing empathy to others as well. Well, I mean, you wrote that you wanted your kids to write themselves into existence absolutely and that's part of it right is, is becoming more than a student but like becoming a person out absolutely. in the world that contributes in different ways absolutely and knowing that their their voices in their head has to be louder than everybody else's mm. if society is telling you you can't you need to develop your voice loud enough where you can no longer hear everybody who is doubting you 
And that's not, I breathe life into my kids every single day. I never suck it out. And I think the society does that too much to many students where they're sucking the life out of kids. So kids come to school, they are just demonstrating behaviors and people are like, what's going on? It's because nobody's listening to them. And I'm happy to be on the other side of that, where when my kids come to my class, they know that they not only have two listening ears, but they have a listening heart. And we are going to figure out what we can do to make it better for them. Because at the end of the day, when they walk across the stage, they have to know who they are. They have to have values. They have to you know, like know who they are as an individual, how they want to contribute to society. Writing can do that. Writing does that because I've seen it happen every single day. Kids come for the arts, science, math, reading. Those things are important, but people must understand and respect the arts. Kids come for the arts. Why? It is freedom of expression. It is the one place where they're allowed to create. Absolutely. Did you ever feel any pushback from students or parents as they explored this, as kids changed and behaviors changed and what have you? Did you ever feel and find anything like that? No, I, I create um, a really uh, open line of communication with my with my parents, um, with the parents that I have with my students. And I'm really, really blessed. Once again, I have amazing parents because they don't see me as um, a competition or combative or trying to create you know drama. They know that I love their kids mm. because in fact, when they're with me, they are my kids and I am protecting them that way. Um, I have may have had concerns and concerns are understandable because like as a parent, I have concerns for my kids too. And I think it's really great that we could come together and we could talk about those things. Um, but my students are very, they, they could advocate for themselves pretty well as well. So if they have concerns that they know that they can come to me as well. Um, so I haven't necessarily had any pushback. Um, I've had concerns, I've had conversations, but I wouldn't want it any other way. If parents aren't questioning and concerned about what's happening in the classroom, that would worry me. Yeah. You've led to so much kids discovering themselves, and I'm wondering how much of that has led you to discover more about yourself. Absolutely. And, and you to write more, mm -hmm. and you to create, and mm -hmm. figure out kind of who Precious is, yeah. because we never stop growing. Absolutely. Never do, never do. Um, so I think that being with my students, um, when I decided to pursue my doctoral degree, at one point I was confused about what I was going to write about. Mm. And my dissertation studies is literally about the importance of creative writing in secondary schools. Mm. Um, the, the power that it brings, uh, how, it help is, how it helps to change the culture and the climate of schools, but more importantly, how it helps to build agency into students. Um, and there's a part of my dissertation where I talk about like how I have a, con a control group of students and how these particular students were not placed in the ELA class. They just had me as a creative writing class. Mm. And when they took their exam, those kids outperformed the other kids. Wow. Let's and say I, that again. So, so you <laughs> yeah. just, you exposed them to creative writing. So it was just creative writing. They didn't have an ELA. I was their teacher for ELA, that year. What, what's ELA? English language arts. Okay. And um, those kids, like, and this happened in middle school, those kids outperformed the other students. And they only had me as a creative writing teacher. They didn't have ELA and they didn't have a writing class, I um, mean, a reading class. And I am certain that half of that, it was skill. Like, they had to learn things. They uh, had deficiencies. But I am sure that it was the inspiration and the motivation on the other side of it.
me telling them and reminding them about things that they have that they possess like they they have everything that they need to be successful but society tells them that they don't and they do they just need opportunities to to, to find them to discover them and to develop them um and i was really proud of my students that year because they did the unthinkable many of them like i said many of my students who sign up for my class they hate writing but they sign up anyway so there's another factor it's me so it matters the teachers standing in front of students it matters it definitely matters i have seen students hate a subject they will sign up for the subject simply because the teacher who is standing in front of them that's very important well, the best advice i ever got in, the co in college was find a professor that you love take everything that they offer i mean that's how i ended up with an anthropology degree right but you know what i i managed to pay the mortgage somehow right absolutely so what mm -hmm. so you as a creative then beyond mm -hmm. an educator but someone who creates themselves right um talk to me a little bit about how that has affected you you can, you brought some poetry so that, yeah that you... i will share a little bit but i am so like i don't like to limit myself like so i'm a writer like i write so i write essays um i write short stories I write poems and um, I think I get this. Uh, Maya Angelou is like absolutely one of my favorite writers ever. Um, how she is, how, how she was able to like reposition herself in the literary canon and produce so many amazing works is like really dope to me. And there are several writers, but Maya Angelou is someone I grew up with, right? Um, and so I, I, I'm a public speaker so I, I just write different things, right? So wherever my heart is telling me to write, that is what I'm going to send off into the world. Well, you brought something today that uh, is part of your creation, and we'd love to have you read a bit from it. Okay. Would, would you? Cool. Absolutely. Miami is hot. This is the truest statement ever spoken. Have you ever seen Miami Heat dance? <laughs> like, really dance? Hip-hop and R&B and merengue be on repeat. All types of artists come here to feel and to produce that heat. There's beauty here in Miami, cause it's hot. That heat be, he be having you seeing in threes and a hot Miami minute. Stand still, you can feel Miami's hotness. Miami heat could have you to blow up, pass out, get locked up, shot down. I tell you, Miami is hot. Roses grow from any crevice, corner, and concrete in Miami. If you are savvy, ceasing the moment to capture success, you can come up because Miami is hot. Come to Miami with a dollar, a hundred, a hustle, anything or everything. You can make something out of nothing. Miami is hot like that. People come here to Miami to find, live the American dream, even when it was never in the cards for them. People come here to Miami with less than 99 cents, common sense, side hustles and sidekicks, slide into Benjamins and make it rain. Miami be a promised land, be having golden tickets because Miami is hot. The streams of income, stardom, success is for the taking in Miami. People become blinded by bright lights, big names, billboards, and beaches because Miami is hot. That Miami heat has a way of sticking to you, living inside of you and suffocating you all at the same time. Everyone wants to come to Miami, be from Miami, claim Miami until they feel the scolding heat of Miami. And I'll stop there. Ooh, they hate us because they ain't us. 
And you know I'm wearing my Jimmy Buckets shirt there today. You go. Speaking there of you Miami go. Heat. Miami Heat. So we're gonna yes. throw some love out for the Heat into the <laughs> Absolutely. universe. Absolutely. Tell me about, you know, this obviously this is a source for, for creation for you. Tell me about this poem. What 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 went into it? So I was a part um helping my students to be a part of a program with O Miami and Apple over the summer. And I'm one of those teachers, whenever I give my students an assignment, I have to lead by example. Okay, I like uh, that. And so we had this project, and it was just coming into Piano Slam. And Piano Slam, the theme was Miami is hot. And so I was like, okay, guys, this is what I have, and this is what I, uh, I put up. So um, I created this as an example for what they could do, like, in their poems. But um, in this particular poem, I am playing with the word hot. And uh, depending on who you are talking with, hot could be representative of different things. And uh, the kids was like, that is dope. Like, yeah, you know, it gave them a lot of inspiration. But even being a teacher where I am able to write and share with my students with this writing community is very important, right? And I think it reinforces the idea that if you want to be better, or improve, you wanna be among those people who are doing it. And once again, it doesn't have to be a competition. It needs to be community oriented and it needs to be collaborative, right? And and crazy thing about it is like, I gave this poem to my students, so I was like, okay, how about you guys give me some feedback for it, right? And, 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 and once again, me leading by example. So if I'm able to do this with my students, it makes it so easy when I ask them, can I see this? Let me give you some feedback. And, and I, like, I like having those experiences with my students. We've been talking a lot about how you affect your students, and I'm curious what it's like when they watch you perform. Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> yeah. So the crazy thing about it. So when I did the TED talk, um, the young lady who I talked about was there, and I had some other students. And um, I, like I mentioned before, I am a naturally emotional and sensitive person. And so I was like, listen, guys, you have to go all the way up to the top where I'm not able to see you. Um, but uh, I've had like a lot of great moments where my students had to see me performing on big stages, like for me getting my doctoral degree, for me receiving an award as toy, you know, speaking at TEDx and other things. And I am, it makes me proud and happy that my students are proud to call me their teacher, right? Uh, but I also think it reminds them that they can do it too. If anything, I want them to get the message that if I'm here, you're here. Precious, thank you so much for making the time for us today. This has been Precious Simonette. She's the head of the Viking Freedom Writers Program as a creative writing teacher at Miami Northern High. She's a past Teacher of the Year in Miami-Dade County. And that's Sundown for Monday, September 4th. Leslie Ovalle-Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio, and Richard Ives is our engineer. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. <laughs>